Welcome to the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Kara, the podcast for Central Floridians who want to be in the know on what's happening in Orange, Lake, Osceola, and Seminole counties. Sponsored by the Central Florida Home Brewers, the premier craft and homebrew club. Learn to brew beer, kombucha, mead, or make wine. Visit www.cfhb.org. Now, here's your host, Mike Kara. Well, welcome back to our next edition of the Mike Kara Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz. As today, we are here at uh, Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company at 1300 Alden Road in beautiful Orlando, Florida, as we are continuing our look at uh, craft breweries around Central Florida. With me today from Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company is Glenn... Clawson, who is the founder of Ivanhoe Park a Brewing Company. And Glenn, it's such a pleasure and honor that you could join me today and tell us all about your great craft brewery. We understand that uh, this particular place isn't too old, uh, actually less than a year. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the history and a little bit about how you started all this? Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks for coming out and uh, kind of helping us share our story. Uh, so we've been open about a year now. We soft opened last June. Uh, we had Orlando Buddy Dyer come out and tap a keg for us, uh, and he proclaimed it Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company Day. So every year on June 29th, we have a big celebration where we bring out you know the community and local political staff to kind of have a great time, put out some new beers, and just kind of celebrate Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company Day. Uh, our actual grand opening is mid-October, so this year it will be October 12th. We're doing another Return to Joyland to kind of mimic the event that we threw last year as our grand opening when we were able to have all 12 tap handles full of just our beer and not really have any more guest beers available. Um, it kind of came together uh, because I used to own a brewery in California. I ended up selling majority of that brewery, moving out to Orlando because I saw there was a niche in the market for the craft beer industry and just kind of got together with a couple people and we kind of put everything together and just went for it and i've heard about this uh, glenn this joy land in this area this was like an amusement park i know when we'll talk about this a little bit later that one of your beers is named uh, for it and you were even thinking about naming this whole place joy land was that right <laughs> Yeah, there was a couple different variations. Um, the story behind it is Lake Ivanhoe used to have an amusement park, a water park back from 1910 to 1919. Uh, we just really enjoyed kind of finding that history. A lot of the locals that have been here generations had no idea of it. Um, initially, it was called Russell's Point or Ivanhoe Park. So we took the name Ivanhoe Park as our brewing name. In 1915, the locals uh, got together and had a competition, and they eventually won with the renaming it Joyland. Um, overall, you know, we went back and forth. We really liked Joyland as the name, but eventually we settled on Ivanhoe Park and then obviously named one of our core beers Joyland IPA and just kind of went from there. So, Glenn, how did you come up with some of the uh, recipes uh, here for this particular brewery? So all the recipes are done by our head brewer, Aaron Anderson. Uh, we brought him on from the beginning. He helped us do the build-out, uh, just kind of set the lay of the land on the brewing side, uh, ensuring you know we had space for the tanks. We knew what we were doing for production. Uh, so he's generated all the recipes. He has over 23 years of professional experience. Uh, he started in the 1990s at Coors, uh, took the night shift just so he could go to class during the day because they offered classes for their brewers during the daytime and really honed in his kind of training at that point uh took all that education went on to avery and a few others in colorado uh so worked with some pretty big name craft breweries 
eventually ended up in South Florida and been with places like Funky Buddha and 26 Degrees down there. So, you know, when we picked him up, we were excited to see what he had to do and brought him in as a head brewer. So he was the, the main guy. So he's the genius behind all of it. And you mentioned, Glenn, that you, you know, ran a brewery in California. Did you bring any ideas or any suggestions uh, from there? Yeah, so California um, definitely has a wider market of craft beer drinkers. Um, It is definitely growing out here, and it's great that all of us are kind of working together as breweries collaborating. Um, Central Florida Ale Trail is a great tool to kind of help expand the word of what craft beer is and what breweries are. Um, So overall, I think we are getting to a point where, you know, we are educating and working together to become almost equal to what California has. Um, But I did bring the recipe sheets that my head brewer for my last brewery had, um, and we did review them. But overall, the craft was kind of on Aaron's plate, and, you know, he reviewed them and looked at them. But in the end, I mean, his 20 years experience kind of brought what we have to the table. And, Glenn, we see outside that you have, like, it's... Like sort of, a, is that like a water tower? It's very iconic. Is that something that you built or something that was here when you got here? Or? So we added that. That is a grain silo. Um, okay. Right now it isn't being utilized just because we don't really turn enough beer to utilize one right. base malt. That yeah. would be a full truckload of delivery. Um, we have looked into putting it online, but we're kind of waiting. Uh, so right now, unfortunately, the brewers have to lift 55-pound malt sacks pretty heavily uh, for each recipe. I mean, they're doing that 20 times at least. Uh, so once we do get it online, it'll be a little bit easier for them to get that base malt in there. Oh, so that would store the, the grain then. If you utilize that, then you put all the, the grain. But, but would you put all the grain from the sacks then in, in there, or how would that work? So usually you, you choose what your main base malt is across all your recipes, right, yeah, usually a, a two-row malt. Um, then whatever one you utilize the most of, we have a, a two-row from Avangard that we use pretty heavily, uh, around 500 pounds per recipe. Uh, so ultimately, yeah, if we were turning enough, it would just be avant-garde two-row only in there. And then all the specialty recipes, such as our Swamp Pilsner um, and any of the caramelized malts that we're putting in there, depending on what kind of color or recipe we're doing, those would still be manually. So it would just be strictly one grain from a truck that would go in there and then go through the malt mill. All specialty malts would be manual. But as long as we could turn a truckload of two-row, we're brewing enough, then, yeah, we'll bring it online for sure. Great. And, uh, yeah, we see that uh, we'll talk about the beers uh, in a little bit, but that you have seen, like, uh, uh, different styles. Is that one of the things, Glenn, you wanted to make sure that you had a good balance of, of different styles, something for everyone? Or Yeah, so definitely in the tasting room, we try to keep it changing. Um, we do have our three core beers. Our business model is based around those three core right. beers. So Joyland IPA, Bungalow Witch, Whit Beer, and Toboggan Blondale will always be brewed and on tap. Um, through distribution chains, we do have three SKUs for those on draft and in cans. Um, so those ones are always continuous year-round. We do have fun on the side. Uh, Tupac Supporter was a great one because we won a gold medal for that at Florida Best Beer Festival. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just trying to keep it interesting in the tasting room uh, and then just kind of pushing volume of our core beers out into the market at ABC, Total Wine, Lucky's Market, and things like that. So you do have it uh, available. Is that all ABCs or, sir, uh, sir, I mean, the ones in the Orlando area? Or? Yeah, so we just recently yesterday rolled out with Wayne Dench. Uh, we've been with City Beverages oh, yeah. uh, as of November. So City Beverages covers Orange County and Osceola County. 
and they've been great. Uh, they've gotten us into every ABC Total Wine Lucky's oh, Market in their area. Uh, so with the rollout in Wayne Dench, there's two new Lucky's Markets going in that we should be in soon, and the ABCs in Total Wine uh, in the next week will be rolling out our beers up there as well. So, Glenn, you know, you have beer in the tap room. You have beer, you know, all over the place at, uh, you know, ABC and all different stores. So how much beer do you actually have to, to make that is probably more than maybe just a craft brewery that's just doing it from the tap room? I mean, you make so many gallons or? Yeah. So, I mean, we started with a 15 barrel, two vessel system. Uh, that's usually a good rule of thumb to start with. If you know, you're going to be tap room and into distribution. Uh, we did start with four 15 barrel fermenters and one 15 barrel bright. So that allowed us to brew the three cores in one and then have a fun and seasonal variety in the, the fourth tank. Uh, fermentation's kind of the bottleneck. You know, most ale yeast strands take about two weeks to ferment. Uh, we do do Tupac Shaporter on a lager yeast strand. So that takes about four to six weeks, depending on fermentation process. Um, so overall, when we signed with Wayne Dench, we knew we were adding four more tanks. So in addition to the four 15-barrel fermenters, we now have three 25-barrel fermenters that we've added on there that we could do double batches into, and then one 25-barrel bright tank, or 30-barrel bright tank. So it'll be able to increase our capacity from about 1,500 barrels to 5,000 barrels annually. And which one of your beers, Glenn, take the least uh, amount of time that you can, like, really pump out then? Uh, the Blondale is probably the best one. Um, that one can turn in about seven to ten days. Oh, wow. um, yeah. <laughs> no, that it was that quick. Yeah, it usually depends if the yeast, you know, picks up as quick as it does. But that one's usually a, a quick turnaround beer. I mean, it's just a basic malt build. Uh, we just wanted it to be clean, crisp, kind of a refreshing beer. So... You know, there's not much to it on the backside, so as long as the yeast kind of kicks off as soon as we brew into that fermenter, it, it, it does a pretty good turnaround. And is, Glenn, the, the, the blonde ale being produced every week or every two weeks, or is probably produced at least w- once a month? or uh, Usually every week. Whenever oh, we, every week? Yeah, whenever we have an empty tank, we put at least one of the core beers in there, oh, there and yeah. so we're turning those tanks as quick as we can to keep up with the uh, brewing capacity that we need. Great. Uh, so then the, the, some of the beers, probably, is there a beer that really takes a long period of time? you got to be careful when you're brewing a beer that takes, like you were saying, four, six, eight weeks to make sure you have enough of the tap room. Uh, yeah, uh, we do cycle in and out. Uh, currently, Tupac Supporter is off tap just because we don't have any inventory, but we right. do have one in the tanks. Um, timing of it does become difficult. Aaron, uh, we do give him his space to make sure that he feels that it has enough diacetyl rest on it, um, that he puts out the quality product. Um, you know, we try to meet deadlines, but ultimately our distributors work with us pretty well if they know dry hopping took longer on the IPA or something's not going right. So we give them a heads up. Um, also just in the tap room, if we have something missing that day, it's probably just because fermentation took longer than expected and it just wasn't what we wanted to put out to the public. And speaking of this uh, tap room, uh, Glenn, is this something that you kind of re- the building? I'm assuming was here. So I mean, did, was this something that you kind of remod did a lot of remodeling for? Or? Yes, uh, this was a pretty dilapidated shell uh, when we came in. Uh, we had to do a lot of construction on the brewing side. There's no floor drains, and the flooring needed to be redone. Um, so overall, on the brewing side, it was a lot of demo work. 
uh, in the tap room. I mean, we did a lot of repainting. All this reclaimed wood came from Pennsylvania. Uh, so the reclaimed wood is actual houses, churches, schools that were taken apart properly. And the wood was all reused so that, you know, for our benefit of the fact that it looks amazing in here. Um, we did all the tile work. Uh, we put the retail door in. So all these tables were made by one of our investors. Yeah, so it's just a lot of a lot of sweat went into this, uh, and we think it came out really nice. It's a comfortable place. Uh, we see a lot of families come by and just want to sit and enjoy the the atmosphere and kind of just relax and have a beer. So with those uh, taps there, is that something that all has to be custom made then? Or, I mean, it, it, it like uh, you, you, there's like a base and then you put, you, is there a sticker? Or is that something that had to be made from scratch? So for the tap handles, yeah. uh, we get this done through taphandles.com. Oh, neat. They worked closely with our marketing firm and us, and we kind of came up with the concept and design. Um, it is a unique design, and it's the first time they've ever done it, but that red piece at the top is actually removable, and it just stays on there with a magnet. And the reasoning for that is the stickers go on that red piece. So if we're out in an account and they didn't get a sticker, that red piece looks awkward. So we have the account take that red piece off, and then you're just left with the the mash paddle uh, that kind of stands out and doesn't have that weird awkward piece. So it just gives us an option because at my last brewery, we would put stickers on there. But a lot of retail accounts wouldn't put the right sticker. Oh. So it would just be the wrong sticker or it just wouldn't look right. So I think with that removable piece, it kind of helps out keep it clean. And, you know, eventually if we get a sticker for the account, they could just put it right back on top. And how many beers, Glenn, do you usually have on tap at one time then, would you say? Uh, we try to keep it around 10, but I would say as low as 6 and as high as 12. Okay, Glenn, what we're going to do is we are going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about all these great uh, beers here. My guest today is Glenn Clausen, who is the founder of Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company. As today we're at uh, Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company uh, featuring another great craft brewery in Central Florida. You are listening to the Mike Carroll Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz, here at Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company, third. 1800 Alden Road in beautiful Orlando, Florida. And please stay with us for our next segment of this edition of our program today. Well, welcome back to our next segment of this edition of the Mike Kara Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz. As today we are at Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company, 1300 Alden Road in beautiful Orlando, Florida. As we're continuing our look at some great craft breweries in Central Florida. My guest today is Glenn Clausen, who is the founder of Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company. And Glenn, pleasure and honor you could join me today and tell us all about your great beers and Literally, we're going to be uh, going through uh, the the beers, and we appreciate you providing me with some great beer to to try. And the first beer, while I'm drinking it, you could tell us a little bit about it. And this is your your famous, this is the popular Toboggan Blonde Ale. And why don't you tell us a little bit about it then? Correct. Yeah, this is uh, Toboggan Blonde Ale. It's one of our three core beers uh, from the beginning. This one's just one that Aaron really wanted to make almost an entry level type beer that you know some non-craft beer drinkers would actually enjoy when they come to the tasting room and aren't exactly sure what they want to try um it's a very basic malt build uh, but we do keep it clean uh, we keep it crisp it's filtered out pretty well so that you got that nice clarity on it uh, and then he adds a little bit of dextrin on there to keep a nice head retention um overall and a nice carbonation uh, to give it that crisp bite 
Yeah, that's that's great stuff. That's very very smooth. I can see drinking that outside on a ninety five degree d- day. I mean that, that that is really refreshing. I mean I could be drinking that on the 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 fourth of July there. That's great. So let's see here. The next one we have is the wit. Uh, it's the uh, bungalow Belgian wit 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 beer, right? Correct. And why don't you tell us a little bit about this one? Yeah, so the Bungalow Belgian Whip Beer, uh, it's a Belgian Whip Beer style. Uh, so you're on the nose, you're going to get a lot of that orange peel and coriander. Uh, you get a little bit of flavor on the back end, uh, but the main thing is that Belgian yeast really comes through on the backside with that, you know, gum-type flavor almost. Wow, yeah, another nice, uh, smooth uh, beer here. So the next beer we have here is the Joyland American IPA, and why don't you tell us about this one? Yep, so Joyland IPA, definitely another one of our staple core beers. Uh, This one does really well in the market. Uh, Overall, it is 7%. Uh, It doesn't feel like it's 7%, but it does have a nice uh, hop characteristics as far as the nose and the aroma uh, fall into place. But Aaron does a really unique dry hopping schedule that allows it to not have so much of that bite from the bitterness. Um, It still has about 68 IBUs, uh, but overall it doesn't leave that chalky bitterness type flavor, but you still get a lot of the hops on the aromatic of it. Okay, and now we have the guava cation, and now this is going to be uh, sour then, and why don't you tell us while I test this one? Yeah, so this is another low ABV uh, style sour beer. It's a Berliner Weiss. It's a northern German style. Uh, back in the day, the Germans would actually drink this at lunch over water just because it is so low ABV. Um, they would actually use Woodruff, uh, which was an actual apple-type flavor uh, that translated to Mountain Man. Uh, but we decided to go a different route with a guava raspberry mix. And just the whole batch is base Berliner Weiss beer, but it has a guava and raspberry that have been infused to it. Wow, that, that that's g- g- great that this sour doesn't seem as sour. I mean, I guess that's just, is that the the idea is to try to, you know, because you don't want to be like, you know, well, you can't see my face on the radio, but, you know, like puckered up that this is, you know, nice and, you know, it, it's smooth too. I, I can drink that on the 4th of July too, yeah. Yeah, so it's very light ABV. It's light bodied. Um, usually a Berliner Weiss as a base beer could have more of that sour pucker right. type flavor, but... Um, the lacto is really cut out by the, the sugars of the uh, actual fruits from the guava and the raspberry, and that kind of bring that you know tartness down just a little bit to kind of make it more well-balanced. Okay, and some other beers you have here, and I know the, my, my dad's uh, favorite is, is stout, and uh, so this is the Ivan Hood, and this is the stout then. Yeah, so Ivanhood is our first stout that we've brewed uh, on site, and it is an 11.1% stout. Uh, we do have it actually barrel aging and a few bourbon barrels in the back, so those should be releasing hopefully this fall. Um, but the the flavor profile on it is is amazing. It's got a nice roast to it, a lot of chocolate kind of flavors to it, so the malt build really helped bring those characteristics out. And, I mean, at 11%, it's still a pretty easy drinking stout. Wow, 11%. So how long does something like that fer- ferment then? Uh, that one was still about two to three weeks. Um, That's not bad. Yeah. yeah, overall, as long as the yeast kicking, he, he kind of has yeast starters or reuses yeast, so it already has a lot of good active cell count, um, and that just kind of helps keep it going. It's just overall making sure that there's enough fermentable sugars in each batch that it actually can get to that specific gravity that he's targeting. 
Okay, Glenn, now we want to talk about these beers, but we want this disclaimer that these beers you have now on the menu, this is your current menu, but you may or may not uh, when, when somebody might uh, come at some time. So, but we'll talk about these. The first one you have is Miss American Rye. Can you tell us? This is a rye beer. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, so this one's a brand new beer that we just came out with. Um, it did utilize some of that guava and raspberry that we had from the guavacation. Um, it does have a Kavike yeast in it. Uh, Aaron has really gotten interested in the, the new yeast strand, the Kavike yeast, that has kind of been up and coming in other breweries, so you'll start seeing it everywhere. Um, ultimately, that Kavike yeast gives off a little bit of a pineapple-y and similar fruits to that style. Um, he does have rye malt in it, so that's where the rye characteristics come from on that one. Okay, and now another one we have here is the Cotton Candy Sour, and can you tell us about this one? Yeah, so we actually made this one last year for our grand opening. Um, since it was themed Return to Joyland, we, yeah. we had cotton candy machines out there. So this one we kind of thought was a fun take on bringing back what, you know, the history of Ivanhoe Park and Return to Joyland. You can picture, you know, almost a carnival feel uh, where the kids are eating their cotton candy. So this one kind of gives the adults that kind of almost feeling of being back in the day as a child, you know, enjoying cotton candy. So on the nose, you get a lot of that cotton candy and there's a little bit of sourness as you drink it. Okay. And another one we have is guavacation, but this is the nitro guavacation. How is that different than this guavacation? So to put a beer on nitrogen, you usually have to take it off of the bright tank before you actually carbonate it uh, with the CO2. So once it is that flat beer, um, you have to set it up and actually instead of using CO2 to carbonate, you actually hook it up to the nitrogen and let it sit for overnight. So it has different various levels of nitrogen that we just inject slowly into the keg. So these ones are a little bit of a longer process. But it gives you that cascading effect when you pour off of nitrogen, like a Guinness, at where it has to take a little bit longer to pour it. And that cascading effect actually gives it a different type of mouthfeel almost. So we mentioned that these, let's see, three beers are kind of your special. I mean, they're on tap now, but they may go off tap. Is that it? Or Yeah, so these are definitely limited releases. Limited releases. Correct. So um, as the kegs kick, we'll put new stuff on there. We do have a new summer series coming out starting Monday. Um, each Monday at 4 p.m., we're going to tap a specialty keg. Um, they are all kind of summer-related with either a different type of fruit treatment that kind of brings you back to wanting something refreshing because it is getting hot out here in Orlando. Um, and we are offering the first 30 people a punch pass that if they come all five weeks in a row and try our summer series beer, they will get a t-shirt and a specialty growler to take home with them. Oh, and since you mentioned the growler, uh, Glenn, that you you have growlers then, and people can get the uh, specialty, be uh, the limited uh, releases and growlers too, or uh, usually we only have growler fills for more of our core beers. Okay. Um, so everything but the cotton candy, oh, okay. um, we do allow fills on our Joyland, our bungalow, and our blonde, and then it just kind of varies. You'll have to check with the tasting room staff okay. what's what's available for two go beers. Oh, great. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned a little bit about, uh, you know, specialty beers and limited releases and seasonal. So you do you do like a winter Christmas beer or like an Oktoberfest or? 
Yeah, so pretty soon Oktoberfest is right around the corner. We'll probably be getting one of those in the tanks. Um, we do have a lot of things on the list. SeaWorld does a, a Christmas special beer festival, and they've already talked to us about doing our Tupac supporter at their craft beer festival in September. So when they start moving into the winter months, we'll be working with them closely on what kind of style they want to kind of get out there. And, you know, Aaron will come up with a nice recipe to fill that. So you mentioned about the tap room, Glenn. So when somebody comes into the tap room, you know, is there a lot of people? I'm sure you get a lot of tourists that that are looking for recommendations. I mean, obviously, if people are used to drinking Bud Light, I'm assuming you point them to the blonde and if they're Guinness, the stout. But I mean, is 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 that part of what you do is trying to make sure people are properly introduced to craft beer? Yeah, no, definitely. Our, our tasting room staff are great. Um, they always have a good alternative. Um, they can usually direct you in the right way. We do offer samples so that somebody isn't stuck with a pint that they won't enjoy. Um, but they're pretty good about reading. You know, if you can give them an example of what beer styles you like, they'll be able to find something on the tap that anybody can, you know, kind of enjoy. So we see, you know, you have here all different, uh, you know, percentages of, al- you know, alcohol. And it looked like the, the Ivan Hood was the, the one with 11.1. So just to let our audience know, that's like at least, well, over two Bud Lights. So, I mean, that's like drinking two commercial beers. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something that you have to watch out for. It does creep up on you. I mean, even our Joyland IPA being at 7% yeah. can kind of get you after two to three pints of it. So we definitely ensure our staff are trained to kind of see what's going on and be aware of it. But most people were in a nice area where people just kind of walk around and enjoy the enjoy the outside. So uh, we haven't had too many concerns, but yeah. I, I, it's definitely something that we have to watch out for in the craft beer industry in general. So, Glenn, do you, we, we noticed that you used uh, guava. We know you use uh, raspberry. Do you use a lot of fruit in your beers? I mean, do you try to always have certain amount of fruit beers? Or So for the summer series, we are bringing in uh, a lot of the fruit-treated beers uh, just because they are refreshing. I mean, you grow up in the summer and it's hot. You want something nice like a mango or a watermelon or something to kind of cut that edge that still hydrates you. Um, so it's not really our niche that we do, but we do have a market and people do request it. So we try to, you know, get people what they want. How about a key lime pie beer? Is that something that, that excites you or interests you? Um, I mean, we could definitely look into it. Uh, our brewing team is pretty busy back there, yeah, but yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I've, we've definitely seen a few in the market that have come out really well. I think Three Daughters has one that they brew that, that a lot of people enjoy. So there's definitely a market for it. Oh, and we also wanted to mention that you have a guest tap, which is cider. So you don't uh, uh, make cider. You, do, I understand you need a special license to make c- cider. So Yeah, cider is a difficult one. Um, there is a way to do it where you have to surrender your brewer's license, oh. apply for the <laughs> cider license, reinstate your brewer's license. Oh, so no. the complication behind it, the, the cider we do pick up is from Quantum Leap. They are just down the road in Ivanhoe Village. So we like to support local and kind of help them out. And, I mean, their cider does really well here. So so, so they're a lo- local. Any, anyway, so you're still supporting that local community. And we, we, so in this area, we know that there's at least two cr- you know, craft breweries, including yourself. Is, is there a lot of others or plans for others to open up? Or? As far as breweries, no. But locally, there are a lot of great graf- craft beer locations. Um, Thirsty Topher has a great yeah, draft yeah, list. Yeah. Uh, GB's Bottle Shop is always a good spot. So 
Ivanhoe Village has kind of become the the unofficial barley row. A lot of people do come the area to try different places and. 1010 and ourselves have to be just the end caps and yeah. then people can kind of wander in between and still find you know excellent craft beer so it's a good spot is there certain bars that carry your, your beer or yeah so as i mentioned uh we have been in distribution with city beverages since right. november um overall we're in about 150 accounts on that side and then we just signed with wayne dench and we've had about four or five accounts pick us up just in this past week so we do see a lot of growth on that aspect a lot of bars, restaurants, and retail places are looking for that hyper-local beer, um, and they're excited to partner with us, so it's been good. And Glenn, how do you name the beers? I mean, do sometimes they just almost name themselves, or is there a, a process? I mean, do you name them, or does uh, Aaron, or who, who actually names these, these beers? Because they're good names. I like the names. Yeah, naming beers is definitely a process. Um, each time we have a new beer, we all kind of brainstorm as much as we can. So there's no one person that's come up with one name. Um, right, right. Overall, our core beers were more brainstormed over because we knew they were going in a market. Um, we did work with a marketing firm on those three core beers. Uh, every other variety we've had, though, we've kind of worked as a team to kind of figure out what the name really fits the characteristics so that people know what they're ordering by the name. And it's not just some off-the-wall name that doesn't really give a good description but it also stays within the branding of Ivanhoe Park and bringing back the history of what we're trying to bring to the community. So something like we were saying, guavacation, immediately you know that there's going to be guava in there, huh? Yeah, no, that definitely gives a good hint of, uh, you know, enjoying something that does have guava and just kind of a good mix on words for that one. So do you work, with, uh, Glenn, with uh, chocolate or peanut butter or any of these interesting uh, flavors or... So for anything that requires those kind of flavors, we try to get that from the malt build. Um, so Aaron's recipes, he will work on to know what flavor he's trying to get. And then it'll be a mix of the malt and then the yeast that kind of collaborate together to get what kind of palate he's trying to get across to the customer. Oh, so some of these flavors actually come from the, the, the malt and not from whatever, you know, like the, the chocolate or so that's that's neat that you could do that. So there's probably is a, there a lot of experimentation or a lot of trials with beers to get uh, these flavors out of the malt or. Yeah, so. Aaron is heavily involved in seeing what's new out there. Um, as we mentioned before, that Kavike yeast that he likes to work with, um, it's definitely a new yeast strand. Uh, it was experimental, but he's brought it on, and we've tried it with a few different styles. And, you know, it does take trial and error. Um, the first batch he did with the Kavike yeast came out really well. So he can palate and kind of taste what he's getting from that yeast because he knows what flavors the malts and hops he added should be coming through, and then whatever comes through after fermentation, he knows that's what the yeast caused by working with those malts and hops to create whatever profile it came to. So each description of beer is never going to be the same as another beer just because there's so many combinations and variances as far as temperature, water, ingredients, all of that coming together. It's just always going to be different but it's trying to find that consistency so that the consumer when they come in and try our joyland one time they come back and it's that same exact joyland ipa that they wanted to order again 
Okay, Glenn, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back for our very last uh, segment. My guest today is Glenn Clausen, who is the founder of Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company here at 1300 Alden Road in beautiful Orlando, Florida, as we're continuing our look at craft uh, breweries in Central Florida. You are listening to the Mike Care Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz, and please stay with us for our very last segment of this edition of our program today. Are you looking to become a better leader, whether that's in business, in sports, or in life, and you haven't found a book yet to help you get to that game-changing aha moment? Well, we have the book for you, Tighten the Lug Nuts, The Principles of Balanced Leadership. Tighten the Lug Nuts will help you get to that game-changing leadership moment. Available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iBooks, or at 360managementservices.com. That's the number 360managementservices.com. Pick up your copy today and start changing your leadership styles. Well, welcome back to our very last segment of this edition of the Mike Care Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz, here at Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company, 1300 Alden Road in beautiful Orlando, Florida. And uh, with me uh, today is Glenn Clausen, who is the uh, founder of Ivanhoe Park Brewing uh, Company, as we're continuing our look at uh, craft breweries in Central Florida. And now, Glenn, we want to talk about uh, some of the special events here. So uh, you do a lot of different, like, activities here? Or? Yeah, we try to keep it uh, pretty fun and exciting. Uh, we do we do love to revolve around the beer, but we do have weekly specials. Um, we do trivia every Wednesday. Uh, we have yoga every first Sunday. A uh, big one that we do is Family Day, which is every fourth Sunday where we bring a bounce house, face painter, and balloon artist, and the kids just kind of have a good time, and it allows families to come out and just kind of come together as a community. Uh, we offer Dog Day Afternoon is every second Sunday, so that allows you know the couples that don't have kids and just want to bring their dogs out and enjoy you know a pint on the patio. It works out pretty well. And you know just the various tap takeovers and beer dinners that we work with with local vendors. And tell us, glad more about these beer dinners. That sounds uh, interesting. You serve a full dinner with beer then? Or? So on site, we are working on a brunch uh, theme that we're going to hold on Sundays. Uh, so we are working with a local vendor food truck uh, that will serve the actual foods. And we will work on a beer menu that kind of pairs well with those foods and you know gives a full experience of the education behind the beers and the food and why they collaborate or why they kind of work together as a good pairing oh so you're you're doing that and you 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 mentioned that uh you know you have these these dog days and that's what was that every uh or every other sunday uh sunday of the, or the second sunday yep every second sunday of the month is dog day and then every fourth sunday is family day so it kind of alternates every other week Oh, fantastic. And glad we've been talking a little bit about, you know, the Ivanhoe Park uh, area and uh, how, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of lot of history and there's a lot of, you know, different bars and and food. And so and speaking of food, so you don't actually serve uh, food here, but people can bring in food or. So Wednesday through Sunday, we do have a food truck on site. Uh, so they just pull out. They have a nice spot right off of our outdoor patio uh, that allows them to serve food. And then we just kind of handle the beer on our side. Yeah. Um, yeah, on Mondays and Tuesdays, if there is no food truck, then 
people are more than welcome to bring off-site food. I mean, there's a lot of great choices. Uh, we have set day down the road that carries our beer, Mesa 21 across from them, the, the Greek Cafe on the corner over there. So a lot of great choices from Ivanhoe Village. Uh, they could either have it delivered or bring it in. And we want to talk, Led, about your you know social media and Facebook. So you are the guy that that is on these videos, and I, I think they're great videos that you're you know at grocery stores, you're at places, you know you're explaining everything. So I mean, you're hands on when it comes to the promotion, huh? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm handling social media, so we are on Facebook. We're pretty heavily involved in Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we do try to get out and about in the market. Whenever we see a new account open up, uh, we try to get our staff out there to support. So we have a small happy hour. Uh, if it is a retail location, we try to find out who we can thank. Um, I mean, obviously, we can't get in the market without the support of the local community. So we try to give back as much as we can just to keep our growth going. And for those who are listening to this all over the world, and I'm sure are going to be traveling to Universal and uh, Disney, uh, can you tell our audience a little bit about where you're you're located and how you get to this place from the airport? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we definitely, all the breweries downtown locations want to try to draw as much traffic as we can. Um, craft beer is becoming a more widely accepted thing, and people actually travel to follow it. Uh, So to get away from the parks, you just take I-4 towards downtown. Um, We are just north of downtown, so the easiest exit would be to take Princeton exit. And from there, you just take Princeton, turn right on Virginia. um, Or, sorry, you take Princeton orange, right on orange, left on Virginia, and then a right on Alden, and you'll see our big silo out front. And have you spoken with people from other countries? I mean, people from other countries, tourists, come here and tell you about about themselves and how they like the beer? Yeah, um, there's a lot of just, as I mentioned, the Central Florida Ale Trail, uh, a lot of collaboration between breweries. I mean, they're coming from different places all around the world and not only visiting us, but they're going to 1010, they're going to Broken Strings, they're going to Orange County Brewers downtown. So just within this five-mile radius, there's a good probably six to seven breweries that they can visit. So it's a quick Uber ride to each one, and some of them are even walking distance. So it's a good spot for them to kind of land and just kind of feel out what the locals actually do. I think now would be a good time for our audience to get a refresher course to know exactly what is the Ale Trail and how does it work. Yeah, so the Central Florida Ale Trail was put together by the Central Florida Brewers Guild. Uh, We all kind of came together, a lot of the owners, brewers, sales managers, all of us that are heavily involved in the industry uh, came together as a group and decided that we wanted like almost a passport book. So each brewery you go to has the actual map. So when you arrive to a brewery, you can ask for a copy of a Central Florida Ale Trail. Uh, from there, you'll get your initial stamp when you order a pint from that brewery, and they can give you directions to the next brewery or whatever the closest brewery is. But there's probably 29 or 30 breweries on there. And once you complete visiting all of those breweries, getting the stamp and ordering a pint in each one, uh, we do have a growler uh reward at the end that's central florida ale trail branded so it's a pretty cool unique uh prize that you can't really get anywhere else but can you take the growler on the plane though i don't i don't, I don't think so i mean yeah. as long as it's not filled you can uh oh yeah oh, put the glassware in there yeah okay and finally uh glenn i want to talk about these beer festivals because i i've been to all most of the beer festivals and and do you you were probably at the beer festival on May 18th, that the, the beer America, that because yeah, that's that's literally in walking distance. So t- talk a little bit about how these these beer festivals, you know, help you and help you with the community. 
Yeah, Beer America uh, is a great festival. It's put on by Orlando Weekly, but it's in collaboration with City Beverages, uh, which is our distributor. Uh, so they are a huge help and advocate of us being out there and presenting our beers. Um, we do attend festivals quite a bit. We have about maybe one a weekend, uh, if not more. Uh, it does allow us to get our beer in front of people that might not necessarily know who we are just yet. So being able to sample our beer, see our branding, meet our people, uh, kind of gets them interested and then only helps drive traffic in the tasting room. Or if they're at Lucky's Market, ABC Total Wine, they'll see us on the shelf and, you know, enjoy the Joyland IPA that they sampled at the festival. will hopefully cause them to kind of pick up a six pack to keep on the shelf at home. And one thing I've noticed, Glenn, which I can't complain because I love my blonde ales, but it seems like like at Beer America, there, and including you guys, you, you had a blonde ale. There's like 30 blonde ales. So, I mean, everyone's got to have their signature blonde ale, including you then. <laughs> yeah, we knew it was going to be a hot day, so something light and refreshing to kind of keep you going. Uh, there's lots of beers to try out there, so trying to maintain that lower ABV so people can actually sample quite a few beers so that they could see what every brewery is kind of bringing to the table. Okay, glad. And finally, did you mention you, you have a website then, right? Yeah, so our website is IvanhoeParkBrewing.com. Oh, okay, we encourage everyone to definitely uh, check that that out. And, uh, uh, the, and oh, yeah, as far as, like, uh, the beers go, it, that, that you, had, you have a live, it's called, like, a live menu. Do you have something on your website that uh, when, before somebody goes out here that they know exactly what the beers are? Yeah, so our website is linked with Untapped, uh, so you could find it on our website, or if you are a member of Untapped on the app, uh, you can actually go to our venue site, and that is automatically updated because the beer list that we use on site is on a TV that actually feeds from Untapped's data. So that's always up to date. Whatever it has on there is what we have in the tasting room at that time. Okay, Glenn, we really appreciate all your hospitality. You've got a great craft brewery. Any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to mention here? No, I uh, just want to thank you for coming out and giving me the time. Uh, I think it's great you're helping promote the local craft beer scene. It's definitely up and coming. Everybody's making great beer, and it's not only us that have been winning medals, but a lot of other local breweries that are within two years of opening uh, are all bringing home hardware. So a lot of that hard work and getting open and cutting the red tape uh, has been, you know, working out for all of us. Okay, it's definitely my pleasure, Glenn. And oh yeah, you're you're like anniversary. You're going to have an anniversary uh, event. You mentioned correct. So October twelfth, uh, we are bringing back Return to Joyland. It will be our official one year anniversary as of our grand opening. Uh, so we will have all twelve tap handles filled. Uh, we are trying to partner with our distributor, City Beverages, to bring up some other local breweries that will probably be pouring their beers and just kind of make it a fun carnival themed event to to bring back Ivanhoe Park and Joyland. Okay, thanks so much, Glenn. My guest has been Glenn Clausen, uh, founder of Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company, as we are here uh, bringing you another uh, great craft uh, brewery in Central Florida. And uh, you are listening to the Mike Kara Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz, today here at Ivanhoe Park Brewing uh, Company, 1300 Alden Road in beautiful Orlando, Florida. My guest has been uh, Glenn uh, Clausen. And please catch us again next time. You've been listening to the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Kara, the podcast for Central Floridians who want to be in the know what's happening in Orange Lake, Osceola, and Seminole Counties. Sponsored by the Central Florida Home Brewers, the premier craft and homebrew club. 
learn to brew beer, kombucha, mead, and make wine by visiting www.cfhb.org. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you back here next week.